Hi, I'm Eric McEwen. And I'm Levi Weinhagen. And this is Regret Labs. Levi! Hi, Eric! Welcome! Thank you! To another mini episode! Mini! Of Regret Labs. Regret Labs! The show where we try to learn more about science because we don't know very much about science. That's it. Eric, I want to tell you that I'm really enjoying doing this show. Me too. I feel like I'm learning. I feel like I am opening up and being accepting of my... Yeah, there's a, a vulnerability that I don't have. I don't get to have in other contexts, yeah. which I didn't so expect. So it's nice to have this in a very public way. It's true. But I also really appreciate people listening and sharing the show. People have been you know, tweeting about the show and yeah, putting uh, it on Facebook and, and listening listening to it and reacting to it. And I'm really enjoying that. Like, I love people posting questions on the website, people tweeting at, hey, I like this, or hey, what about this, or you guys are wrong, whatever. I like all of that stuff. Scientists and laymen alike yes. uh, seem to be liking the show. So that's nice. It is nice. So on this mini episode... We're not going to be taking a test. No test. And it's not because we're embarrassed. We're going we're gonna to keep going with these long-worded Canadian tests. We will keep... Unless... Someone wants to point out a better one online. Oh, yeah. If I'm, you have a test that's not Canadian, you think we should take? And also not long-winded and also doesn't have questions that are wrong? We would like multiple choice so we can really get at the sort of... More so we can check if we are right or wrong. Right. We don't, can't do an essay thing. Right. Cause... I can't look at Levi's and say, well, you meant uh, mm. microscopic instead of macroscopic. I, I could probably figure that part out. But... Maybe. But yeah, if you have suggestions of science exams we should take, online. please... Tweet at get. Regret Labs, tweet at A-R-I-C Eric, tweet at me and that Levi. We would love any of that stuff. But for this episode... We've got an article... From? io9.com. That's Le- the, the letter, letter I. The letter I, the letter O, the number nine, n- numeral nine.com. And this is 10 scientific ideas that scientists wish you would stop misusing. So we're going to go over, we're going to read the idea, and then we're going to say what we understand about the idea, and then yeah, we're going to Yeah, we'll try read... to, and then I'll read the entry that it has here. So the the premise of the article is we asked a group of scientists to tell us which scientific terms they believe are the most widely misunderstood. Here are 10 of them. So it's not even necessarily the top 10. Just 10. Here are 10. So let's start. And then uh, we'll post a link to this along with this episode. So if you want to look at it yourself, go ahead. All right. And so I've avoided reading this article. You have. Yeah. And I read it. Uh, several weeks ago. Uh, okay. Uh, so you've and I don't had really, time to I didn't memorize that. Yeah. Okay. So number one, the first term, proof, which we've we've talked about a bit on the show, and it does get used a ton. The term proof. Proof. So in a scientific context, it is scientific proof is a series of replicable events. I think. I think of the word proof as a mathematical term. Yeah. Like solving a proof. Show your but work. But I could be wrong. No, that's not show your work. Uh, but I, I think, is it it's interchangeable with the word evidence? So if you have a claim, you have to you show have your- proof. I don't know. That just, seems like the way it'd be misused though, wouldn't it? Maybe. Like, like I have proof? The scientific results of a set of tests. Hmm. I don't think I use the word proof very much, but I could be wrong. Where is your proof? I don't think people actually respect- Proof, for like a fact. Is a proof the same thing as a fact? I don't know. Should we see what it says? Yeah. All right. So this is from a physicist, Sean Carroll. That's the, so they have different oh. scientists giving their ex- explanation. I don't know Sean Carroll. Sean Carroll says, I would say that proof is the most widely misunderstood concept in all of science. 
It is a technical definition, a logical demonstration that certain conclusions follow from certain assumptions, that is strongly at odds with how it is used in casual conversation, which is closer to simply strong evidence for something. So okay. he's saying that's wrong. There's a mismatch between how scientists talk and what people hear because scientists tend to have the stronger definition in mind. And by that definition, science never proves anything. So when we're asked, what is your proof that we evolved from other species, or can you really prove that climate change is caused by human activity, we tend to hem and haw rather than simply saying, of course we can. The fact that science never really proves anything, but simply creates more and more reliable and comprehensive theories of the world that nevertheless are always subject to update and improvement is one of the key aspects of why science is so successful. So a scientific proof doesn't actually prove without any doubt that something is true, mm -hmm. I think is what he's saying. But that is how it's used in common parlance. That yeah. proof means irrefutable evidence. But what was the first part? A logical demonstration that certain conclusions follow from certain assumptions. Okay. So if this is the case, then probably this is the case. Okay. But not always. Are you ready for number two? You're going to like this um, one. I was just thinking that if you want, I can give you the audio files for this episode and you can edit it to make it sound like you know all these things. Oh, that's a great idea. But no. Okay. <laughs> Because you're just reading. Uh, number two, mm -hmm. theory. Oh, well, that And there's an is... astrophysicist who talks about what a theory really is. A theory people have in mind that it's just an idea. Mm. It's like a hunch, when, which is not. When really it's a collection of facts to explain a phenomenon. But it, it's, it's used like, I guess that's your theory, which is a totally different. Right. But I think it's a whole just, different word. It's, it, it feels like it's a gentler form of fact. So scientists don't want to say it's a fact, but it, you know, from all the proof we have, nothing has proved this wrong yet. It's not a law, it's a theory. So the theory of relativity. Mm -hmm. Pretty like, much been proven, but right. you never know. In gravity, we can see its effects, but it's not... It killed George Clooney in the movie Gravity. Spoilers. Yeah, well, right. it's out of the theaters now. There's no Do you want to see what astrophysicist Dave Goldberg says? I'd like to hear it. You don't want to see it? Though? No. He says that... Uh, members of the general public, who he also adds, along with people who have an ideological axe to grind, <laughs> hear the word theory and equate it with idea or supposition. So just what you said. We know better. Scientific theories are entire systems of testable ideas, which are potentially refutable either by the evidence at hand or an experiment that somebody could perform. I yeah. think that's nice and clean. Mm -hmm. So we got that pretty much right. Yeah, I think right. we did a good job there. Oh, it's nice. This next one's going to kill us. Oh, boy. And the same astrophysicist. Is it balloon response. party? It's balloon party. Oh, I totally don't know what the scientific definition of balloon party is. Well, we'll have to sit on that. But there's an alternate word. That okay. Is, uh, quantum uncertainty or quantum weirdness. <sighs> right? So. I got no, I, got, I don't have much. Is quantum uncertainty. It only makes me think of the secret. How people like to talk about oh, yeah. the idea of what people, manifesting things into your life. The power of attraction. Right. Or... And when they're like, well, if you don't, it's all about quantum mechanics right right quantum is the buzzword it's so complex and hard to explain or think about because it's dealing with like different laws that don't even make sense compared to like what we observe right like, it gets it gets really funky on the quantum so level. someone will use it who doesn't actually know what they're talking right about. so they think well it's hard, it's hard to explain so we can just say whatever right uh to prove that my water cures people because right. it if, vibrates. If you dilute frequency. something in water, then it's yeah. magic. But quantum uncertainty, I, is that... Okay, I, I won't say is that. I think it is where... Does it have to do with elect, not electrons? 
quantum particles. So quarks. I don't. Yeah. I'll say quarks. I'll just say quarks. I'll quit hedging my bets here. You don't hedge. Um, Just quantum particles. You can measure where they are currently, Mm -hmm. but not where they're going to be. So they're unpredictable. That's the answer. But you can measure where they're going to be, but not where they currently are. So you can do one or the other, but you can't do. So it's like you can you can't see them, but you know. So you affect the you affect it by measuring what it's going to be. Or is that or is it the Schrodinger's cat thing? Yeah, well, that's the. There's no way of knowing without actually causing change. Right. Should we see what? Yeah. Uh, Goldberg, the same guy. Uh, I hope he's a little snarky. Astrophysicist Dave Goldberg. He says that when people appropriate concepts from physics for new age or spiritual purposes, this misconception is an exploitation of quantum mechanics by a certain breed, spiritualists, self-helpers, and epitomized by the abomination <laughs> the movie what the bleep do we know yeah quantum mechanics famously has measurement at its core an observer measuring position or momentum or energy causes the wave function to collapse non-deterministically yes but just because the universe isn't deterministic doesn't mean that you are the one controlling it it is remarkable the degree to which quantum uncertainty and quantum weirdness get inextricably bound up in certain circles with the idea of a soul or humans controlling the universe or some other pseudoscience in the end we are made of quantum particles protons neutrons electrons and are part of the quantum universe that is cool of course but only in the sense that all of physics is cool all right i like that he's on the attack the next uh is more of a sort of term uh, learned versus innate, which is an old sort of, I think, scientific nature-nurture kind of mm-hmm. thing. Is so this a learned just... behavior or is it an innate behavior where people throw that sort of thing around? And how do you think that's misused is what I would ask you. I think I see it, you see it a lot in sort of people attributing things to their kids. Like, oh, that's a family trait when a lot of that stuff is cultural. I was at a conference a while ago with fa- fancy people talking. And there was a panel about culture wars, mm-hmm. but they started talking about the mother-father divide in parenting, and everyone on the panel agreed that women feel a more internal pull when they're away from their kids hmm. than fathers. I am the primary parent in my family. I was home with my daughter for a number of her early right. years, and I do a lot of the childcare stuff. So you're saying your wife doesn't like your... She's a terrible mother. <laughs> <laughs> but... I totally have more of that pull than my wife. Okay. And I think it's a cultural thing. I just learned that behavior from spending so much time with my child. And I think the people on this panel were not acknowledging that. They were like, well, that's everyone knows that. Like, it's mothers just, you know, we have the umbilical cords, which just happens. And I think they were doing this thing about learned versus innate. And they were Mm -hmm. saying that that's all innate. And I think a lot of that behavior is actually learned. But what do you think is the misuse versus the proper use? That people say, well, I just have a gut feeling. Or that there's even a clean divide. So let's see what this is. Evolutionary biologist Marlene Zook. Mm -hmm. She says, one of my favorite misuses is the idea of behavior being learned versus innate or any of the other nature-nurture versions. The first question I often get when I talk about a behavior is whether it's genetic or not, which is a misunderstanding because all traits all the time are the result of input from the genes and input from the environment. Only a difference between traits and not the trait itself can be genetic or learned. Like if you have identical twins reared in different environments and they do something different, like speak different languages, then the difference is learned. But speaking French or Italian or whatever isn't totally learned in and of itself because obviously one has to have a certain genetic background to be able to speak at all. Hmm. So there's not a either this or that, which I think actually says I'm a little wrong that there's a a learned cultural behavior about Mm -hmm. your connection to children and there's also a sort of genetic. From what I understand is everybody's wrong. Number five, Eric? 
uh-huh. natural the word natural well natural is just like mother earth and everything that's uh mother uh, gaia yes as you so eloquently will say sometimes uh-huh. <laughs> I think people think natural means good. Well, I, actually, that's a thing that you hear in the marijuana argument. It's natural. It, oh, grows, right. it grows as opposed right. to yeah. cocaine or something, which comes from a plant as well. Mm-hmm. But also in pharmaceuticals, you know, someone will say you shouldn't take uh, you know, anti-anxiety medication, but then they'll say like St. John's wort right, is fine yeah. when those other medications were taken from a naturally occurring substance that they refined down to mm-hmm. figure out. So that's my understanding of that misuse of natural, that it is attributed to like all healthy and good for you. Poisons are natural too. It's true. So Uh, just because something is natural doesn't mean it's good for your body. We're not supposed to eat everything. Rocks, um, stars. Levi, are you eating stars? I eat a couple You've got a hangdog look. I feel like they fill me up with a lot of... Hydrogen. They do get a little squeaky afterwards. They're always exploding. Mm Mm-hmm. This is tackled by synthetic biologist Terry Johnson. I, talks I hope that's his full name. Oh, yeah. First name, synthetic. Mm-hmm. Middle name, biologist Terry. Terry says, natural is a word that has been used in so many contexts with so many different meanings that it's become almost impossible to parse. It's most basic usage to distinguish phenomena that exists only because of humankind from phenomena that don't presumes that human are somehow separate from nature and our works are non-natural or unnatural when compared mm. to, say, beavers or honeybees. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, it's true. That if we make it, then isn't that also natural because we're a product of the natural environment as well? That had not occurred to me. She goes on. When speaking of food, natural is even slipperier. It has different meanings in different countries. And in the U.S., the FDA has given up on a meaning definition, a meaningful definition of natural food, largely in favor of organic. In Canada, I could market corn as natural if I avoided adding or subtracting various things before selling it. But the corn itself is the result of thousands of years of selection by humans from a plant that wouldn't exist without human intervention. Yeah. All the fruit in the grocery store has been manipulated by man. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. banana was was it wasn't something you could hold like that it wasn't it, it's been selected how to dare be... you a banana is proof of god's yeah, plan right. yeah. everyone should watch the video with kirk cameron and the banana because that's oh magic. who's the uh who's the uh other guy in that video? ray ray fines it's ray fines <laughs> yeah Ray Kurzweiler, it's a singularity, and he's like, <laughs> we're all going to become bananas. Yeah. Um, um, no, but that's a pretty fantastic video. It is fantastic. Not, not that we are stating a premise about religion. No, that's right? just an absurd video. It is a crazy video. I'll take a stance on religion, but not right now, and not separate from that nonsense. Yeah. All right, number six. Watch that video. Well, Gene. We should put it online. Gene, Eric. Gene? The word gene. I mean, I'm sure it's used wrong. Maybe it goes back to the nature versus nurture or innate versus learned. I think it does. It's in my genes that I... I'm a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Yeah. So genes are a code that make up your cells. Right. And tell your body what to produce and in what order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. The the genes are the building block of life. Yeah. All your cells contain a copy of your DNA or your genes. Yeah, your genetic code. And uh, they split and keep making more copies and that's that but i guess you do hear do. the phrase like well, that's just in my genes yeah. like you said i like how we're guessing what we think the dumb thing is yeah. and also what we know or what what we think we know it is though we're not dumb yeah yeah so this is the same same scientist terry johnson again what was his full name oh sorry the synthetic biologist terry johnson mm-hmm. 
says, it took 25 scientists two contentious days to come up with a locatable region of genomic sequence corresponding to a unit of inheritance, which is associated with regulatory regions, transcribed regions, and or other functional sequence regions. So that's the description of a gene. Oh, boy. We weren't even close. No. So she says that means that a gene is a discrete bit of DNA that we can point to and say that makes something or regulates the making of something. The definition has a lot of wiggle room by design. It wasn't long ago that we thought that most of our DNA didn't do anything at all. We called it junk DNA, but we're discovering that much of that junk has purposes that weren't immediately obvious. So genes are sections of DNA that they can point to as having a certain effect. Well, that actually makes something Mm -hmm. or facilitates the making of it. But then she says the misuse, I don't know why I'm saying she, I assume Terry Johnson's a she for some reason, he... Typically, gene is misused most when followed by for. So, huh? I don't know. Is misused most when followed? So, there's a, I, there's a gene for... What's the gene for? Oh, so I think alcoholism that, or what's the gene or for? Or the idea that you can like turn off a gene that lets oh, you right. gain weight or something Or what's the like gene that. for brown hair? What is the gene for brown hair? Uh, a, B... So she's she, she or he says, we all have genes for hemoglobin, but we don't all have sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. Different people have different versions of the hemoglobin gene called alleles. There are hemoglobin alleles, which are associated with sickle cell. So a gene refers to a family of alleles and only a few members of that family, if any, are associated with diseases or disorders. All right. It's got a little boring. So we were kind of wrong on both parts of what we assumed people Yeah, thought. but I, I'm going to chalk it up to that just being a, a boring description i don't i don't know how to describe genes because i don't need to leave me alone i'm being de- defensive number Terry seven johnson number seven eric statistically significant i like this one because we talked about a scientific consensus which seemed similar to statistical well <laughs> what did you just say statistically significant yeah so it's if we have enough if we, there's like a statistically significant amount of evidence of, yeah or um there needs to be enough enough of uh, enough data yes so if you have a a, a research project you, you have, need to have a... enough discrete people or subjects mm-hmm. to let your results actually mean something right so if you're just testing like 10 people that it's you not might know dr ellen wakefield then <laughs> yeah i'm calling it out finally someone has the balls that's right vaccines <laughs> don't wakefield, cut on to on to autism Autism, yeah. Andrew? Andrew Wakefield, yeah. What did I say, Alan? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, it's Andrew Wayne. Andrew's discredited. Alan, uh, he was was the little devil on the shoulder going, yeah, yeah, just do it. Just do it with 10 people. Fudge, fudge those results. No, but you need a large pool of people to get enough variance in the results to allow, if a pattern comes out, um uh, see this is why we aren't scientists because we can't no you're nailing it i th- it's interesting i'm gonna read it because i think it'll actually really inform it's shorter okay so, shorter than what i'm saying this is oh, mathematician boy. jordan ellenberg mm-hmm. and, and he says Stati- statistically significant is one of those phrases scientists would love to have a chance to take back and rename hmm. significant suggests importance but the test of statistical significance developed by the british statist- statistician r.a fisher doesn't measure the importance or size of an effect only whether we are able to distinguish it using our keenest statistical tools from zero. He says statistically noticeable would be much better. So the the distinction there is on the importance. Is that significant means it matters rather than just it's measurable. Right. What it really means is measurable and right. not uh, matter. That's why I wanted you to shut up because you didn't really need to 
go down the path you were going down. Thanks. So I was trying to help. Do you want to do number eight? You want me to still rag on Andrew? Wakefield? Oh, yeah, if yeah. you want to, because that guy's the worst. Uh, He's got body count. No, he count. is the he worst. He has a body count. So does Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, she's Although we've worst. already ragged on her, so let's go to Andrew. Yeah, I don't uh, really so, want to give her any yeah, more attention. No. So number eight. She's already been fired from number the view. Number eight. How sad. Shocking. <laughs> Too dumb for the view. That's a real. Well, number... I didn't say dumb. <laughs> no, I did. Yeah. Number eight, survival of the fittest. This is a classic Darwin phrase mm-hmm. that is misused all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a good handle on survival yeah. of the fittest, but I can also see where it's like, I think how it's used, how people use it is okay. only the strong survive. Fitness is like actual physical fitness. I mm-hmm. think it's misused in that way. You know, like people who are beautiful were survive and people with a lot of muscles rather than organism that is best suited to its environment mm-hmm. and that can reproduce the most is considered the most fit. That it can, its genes can carry on. It can survive long enough to and pass make a on bunch its of shedding material yeah. that also survives. So those attributes that it has gets passed on. Right. So like the Duggars who have like 20 kids, that TV show, uh-huh. they would be technically evolutionarily fit because they can they made so many babies it doesn't mean they're good people yeah, right <laughs> arguably they're not but because, i think that's because a good they the girls rooms are in the basement next to the laundry room so the girls are right there to do the laundry oh there wasn't space next to the kitchen <laughs> um <laughs> they were the worst so, everyone's the worst andrew wakefield and the duggars <laughs> i'm calling you out eric's taking no prisoners that's right paleoecologist jacqueline gill these are not Darwin's own words. And secondly, people have a misconception about what fittest means. There's major confusion about evolution in general, including the persistent idea that evolution is progressive and directional, Hmm. or that all traits must be adaptive. Sexual selection is a thing, and so are random mutations. So fittest doesn't mean strongest or smartest. It simply means an organism that fits best into its environment. You said that. You said that almost word for word, Levi. I swear I wasn't reading it. Do you feel pretty good? Yeah, I'm a genius. Uh, (laughs) So I like that. That's clean. Uh, this. Yeah. Let's jump to the next thing. Nine, geologic timescales. I don't think I've ever heard that phrase used wrong or right. I think I get what it means, maybe. like measuring... Is that viewing the strata in the rock Ooh, layers? Good use of strata. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice. What was the phrase again? Geologic timescales. So looking time at time through rocks? measurements of yeah, earth yeah. or whatever. Right, which isn't the most accurate way to do things, but that was a way we had... To make a guess. So this is that same scientist, Jacqueline Gill. One issue I often run into is that the public lacks an understanding of geologic timescales. Anything prehistoric gets compressed in people's minds, and folks think that 20,000 years ago we had drastically different species. Oh, we had this all nope. wrong. Or even dinosaurs. Nope. It doesn't help that those little tubes of plastic toy dinosaurs often include cave people or mammoths. So it's an understanding of how of, long time right, really is. Right, which is gigantic yeah yeah yeah. we can't even under i don't think i can understand it fully when i was younger i think the way i understood it the easiest or you it's it's so large you can't really comprehend it so you have to go to different scales yeah but from like your elbow measuring from your elbow to your wrist yeah is uh prehistoric so like dinosaur times dino dino times yeah. yeah dino times and then the just the tip of your fingernail, the very tip, is uh, the history, all history of humans. Right. Like there's so little, we have so little history behind us as a species, mm-hmm. and the dinosaurs had such a long. Yeah, yeah. that's. It. I, I think that makes sense. Number ten, we've touched on this. Organic. This is the last one. Organic. Yeah. All right. So that's number ten. Organic. That's just thrown to the same. It's thing like as, natural. But what is what is uh, what is the scientific term for it though? For what? Organic. organic. Or, or well, we were just uh, no, not not we were just talking. That's episode hasn't come out yet. Yeah, don't spoil. Um, 
No, uh, organic is the word that they say is misused. It right. doesn't. Well, there's organic matter. So that is carbon-based? Yes, carbon-based matter. Mm -hmm. I'm cheating a little because we just got a, a tutorial on Shut that. up! Um, but then organic is obviously in the food industry. Mm -hmm. Now it's like no, like... Uh, a certain like restricted amount of pesticides or chemicals, or chemicals used on or it. Or not genetically modified or whatever. But I actually think organic has now become sort of a red flag that you should look closely at this product because mm -hmm. it probably has been manipulated and marketed to you. Yeah, it's the same thing as a lot of supplements where it's not that term isn't regulated. No. Like the the FDA, uh, the FDA doesn't have to monitor supplements because it's a supplement. They're it's not, not calling food. it medicine. Right. right. So the FDA doesn't have to get involved. They can do what they want as long as they're not making certain claims. That's why you can buy Airborne. They took off a claim from the package right. and it's fine. You got a slap on the wrist. Should we find out what it is? Yeah. Entomologist Gwen I'm Pearson. calling you out, Airborne. <laughs> the, the best thing is I'm on board with all your call-outs. Nice. Like, I don't have any quit. Like, I like what they were on the same page. You're right. It's to, like we're on swings and they're both going. We're married. Yeah. Entomologist Gwen Pearson says, uh, there's a constellation of terms that travel together with the word organic, such as chemical free and natural. And she's tired of seeing how profoundly people misunderstand them. I'm less upset about the way that they are technically incorrect. All food is organic because it contains carbon. Yes. My concern is the way they're used to dismiss and minimize real differences in food and production. Things can be natural and organic, but still quite dangerous. Things can be synthetic and manufa manufactured, but safe and sometimes better choices. If you are taking insulin, odds are it's from GMO bacteria and it's saving lives. Yeah. It's a pretty great example. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a thing that I don't think is super popular where I don't, I, it was touched on in the natural thing too. Like GMO has really been slandered. Yeah. But it... Who decides when it is genetically modified? I think people are thinking like a laboratory, mm -hmm. but we're modifying. We've been splicing genes for years. That's yeah. where corn is. That's where corns come from. I, I, I was talking to someone who went into this as their for school because they thought, uh, well, I'm interested in uh, genetic modifications. Mm. I will go away from like growing ears on rats because it seems like people will probably be against that. So I'll go towards uh, food because everyone will be happy uh, that food is getting better. But nope, other way around. Yeah. R uh, ears on rats are amazing. And then you touch our corn and you are just leave our natural But then you see the work of like someone like Norman Borlaug. Yeah. Who fed millions of people. Yeah, by de defeating by... Uh, rust, uh, wheat rust. <laughs> yeah, by manipulating the genes of the, our foods. I, don't, it, I just don't think it's a black and white thing. And I think no. it's been boiled down to a black and white and thing. And it's a lot of companies are the problems behind genetically modified certainly, foods certainly. and lawyers. But, so it's, I, not, but it's, it's not the food itself. No, and I think it's more like people are mad at the mechanism when really mm -hmm. they shouldn't be. It's how it's applied yeah. is where you should find the issues. Mm -hmm. So what do you make overall of, that, of this list that we've gone through? Do you think it's worthwhile? Have we been wasting our time? <laughs> no, I, th I think those are all fair points. And I mean, at some point you have to kind of give up the fight like you with in. the word literally, yeah. which I think has been... They've added the it to the dictionary yeah, that so, literally means metaphorically, right. <laughs> which um, is sad. Flammable and inflammable, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's literally now. So, but, but you know, some things do need that. I mean, theory is so important. It's important, an important but thing. it is. I'd, I'd say that's the biggest misunderstanding from uh, when people from the you know, layman's terms to the scientific what's terms. What's more upsetting to you though? Misuse of the word theory mm -hmm. or when someone says irregardless? I'd say theory. <laughs> it's probably safe. 
Well, I I would love to hear other people's thoughts. Begs the question is the other thing that you just kind of got to give up on. Begs the question? Yeah. Yeah. That it's going to keep being said. In the wrong way. I don't like people say I could care less when they mean I couldn't care less. Mm. That's way, way gone, like way over, and it still bugs me. Yeah. Because it's the opposite. I don't think we can battle against organic. I don't think we can battle against the use of natural. I think we should, for theory, we should for definitely for quantum mechanics. Because the secret is nonsense. I'm calling you out, secret. And you know what? Oprah Winfrey, come at me. Yeah. Dr. Oz, call that dude out. That's right. He said rub blueberries on your forehead or something to make you, I don't know, I'm spouting off. Uh, Eric. We got a review on iTunes. We Someone added a new review. Yes. That person is my new favorite person. All right. Because there's only been one review since our last mini episode, we will read it in its entirety. But... For you listeners, we are up on iTunes and on many podcasting apps. Go to Regret Labs. Of your choice. Or uh, go to Regret Labs or go into iTunes or your podcasting app and search for Regret Labs. And you can find us there. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Those are all three separate metrics that add together. They will take two minutes of your time. Yeah. Subscribing moves us up like a point. Reviewing moves us up. Uh, uh, They're all... They all combine to make a, a big impact. So if you're subscribed to Regret Labs in the podcasting app, you actually have to search for Regret Labs. To rate and review. Yeah. So it's weird. It is weird. But you can do it fine on the iTunes app. Anyway. And then we'll call it. We'll give you a we'll, thank you on the show. Uh, we'll give you a thank you uh, as grand as this. As grand as this. So our newest review, mm-hmm. number 10. So we just did a top 10 list. We got our 10th review. Thanks, everyone. 10th review out of 30 ratings. The review's title is great. It's called. It says, Lovable Schlubs Talk About Science, mm-hmm. which I think, honestly, was what we should have named the show. <laughs> and it was posted by Johnny Cat 37 So thank you, Johnny Cat 37 Johnny Cat 37 says, Two random dudes bite off more than they can chew every week and once again fail to boost their self-esteem through science. I love it. Uh, that is magical. That I think I said to you, that is exactly what we're trying to do with the show. Get in over our heads mm-hmm. and see if any good can come of it. I like how uh, we don't succeed in boosting our self-esteem. No, no. It's clear we have not. <laughs> I, I mean, and it's weird because I think it's true. There's highs and lows. Mm-hmm. But like taking those tests, uh, that didn't help me emotionally. No. <laughs> but I, I do feel invigorated talking to our guest experts. Yeah, I feel interested and excited to learn more and I'm really happy that people are enjoying the show and listening and telling people about it and that they're learning. Yeah, and so I just, I really appreciate this person listening. Clearly, this Johnny Cat 37 has listened to the show mm-hmm. and re- because responding of, to yeah, it. Yeah, because how else would he know? Because he nailed that it. That we're lovable schlubs. Yeah, I want to make shirts that say lovable schlubs talk about science. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is amazing. That's a great, that is a great description of what we're doing. <laughs> I'm glad we're lovable. I'm glad yeah, that is important. You know, like uh, ignorant jackasses talk about Back to the Future Three would not be that's as good a description. A show. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be accurate, but I'm yeah. sure that show exists. So thank you, Johnny Cat Thirty Seven. Thank if you, you everyone. Be, who if you want to be like Johnny Cat Thirty Seven, and you should, you can do it. Just go on iTunes or your podcasting app on your iPod. Yeah, and and try to remember if you're not sure about something, it's fine to say I don't know. And what else should everyone do, Eric? Keep asking questions. <laughs> Did I say that weird? <laughs> Perfect. Keep asking questions. Regret Labs is hosted by Eric McEwen and Levi Weinhagen. Music produced and performed by Dieter. 
Podcast art by Len Pugh and Kirsten Kewen. Regret Labs is a noise picnic production. Please visit us at noisepicnic.com. <laughs> <laughs>